question presented to us this week, um, the comment on it went something like this. As a result of the women's movement and being trained that spouses are partners in marriage, I just don't get the biblical passages about submission. I regard myself as the equal of my husband, so to me, submission sounds like inferiority. Submission sounds like inferiority. Now that is um, not an uncommon comment. I think lots of people feel that way, and I'm I'm privileged to have the opportunity um, to preach on this, and I was also told that I would be the one preaching on this, (laughs) just to be clear. (laughs) Um, But no, really, I am happy to be be able to preach on this. Um, in, In the Bible, we see submission discussed in several places. Uh, the ones that get the attention typically refer to the context of marriage. And so we have our reading from Ephesians this morning. We have it in Colossians. You see it in First Peter. All refer in some degree or another to wives submitting to their husbands. But is that all there is to it? Is that all there is? Is this simply a misogynistic cultural remnant contained in the words of Scripture? Are husbands in charge? Women relegated to their proper place? Or is there something else going on here, perhaps? Something that is far deeper and more meaningful and maybe even more comprehensive than we realize Well, so as you can tell, we have quite a task before us this morning, talking about submission. This is the second week in our Hard Sayings of the Bible sermon series, and what we want to talk about is how can we be gracefully submitted? And so here's hopefully the question that you'll be able to answer by the end of this sermon. What does it look like to be in a relationship where I am gracefully submitted to the other person. What does it look like to be in a relationship where I am gracefully submitted to the other person? Our text for this morning is Ephesians chapter 5. I encourage you to find it in your Bibles and open it up. Um, Maybe you have your Bible on your phone. So if I see you looking at your phone, I'm going to trust you're reading your Bible with me. Um, If you don't have an app on your phone, there's an ESV app. Just get in the app store or wherever you get those things and, and, and Google ESV Bible and you'll have the exact text we're reading from Um, But all that is to say, I certainly encourage you to look along because I don't want you to think that I am making this stuff up. We are in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to talk about submission under three headings. The first one is this. Submission is not and should not imply inferiority. It does not imply inferiority. It does not mean that the one who is submitting is inferior. The one who is not submitting is superior. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that. And before we can make any progress on these biblical texts, we've got to understand that clearly. I think there are two reasons that we hear submission and we think, well, well, if I submit, I must be inferior or less than the person I'm submitting to. The first one is this. We've been culturally conditioned to think this way. We live in a culture where the individual rights trump everything. Anything that impedes me 
from doing or being what I want to do or be is to be considered oppressive and to be rejected. And so too often, individual rights are secured at the expense of others. They're secured at the expense of the community. But frankly, this makes it hard to be in any sort of meaningful relationship. It is very difficult to be in a mutual relationship that is defined by individual rights. As long as you're approving of me and what I want to do, we'll be all right. But if you're not, I, I have to break it off. I can't be in relationship with you. So that's the culture that we're living in. That's one reason. The second reason it feels inferior is, frankly, because we're sinful, fallen people. The reason the culture has such a stress on individual rights is because for thousands of years, we were using these ideas of submission and authority to oppress people. We, that's what we did. Slavery. Women. People have been oppressed in the name of submission because we're fallen people. When sin entered God's creation, it sparked a selfishness in us that makes trust and submission nearly impossible. It is too easy to be taken advantage of, too easy to be walked all over. It is difficult to submit because we've been hurt and we've seen hurt time and time again. And so we build a country based on individual rights to make sure that this doesn't happen again, except it, it did. And we have a culture that ensures that our rights are preserved, even though they're not. Because too long, people were being trampled upon and taken advantage of. And so we have these barriers to submission. Whether it's our fallen nature or our cultural constructs, it is tricky to submit and to understand what it means. However, I want to suggest to you this morning that true biblical submission, submission that is not conditioned by the fall or cultural trends, true biblical submission is not only beautiful, it is godly. True submission is godly. Let me give you a couple of examples. John chapter 5, John's gospel, chapter 5, verses 19 to 20. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of God can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. That's the Son, right? Submitting to the Father. Or if you were to read John um, chapter 16, verses 12 to 15, when the Spirit of truth comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now listen to this. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He, the Spirit, will glorify me. Jesus is speaking here. So he will glorify Jesus. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You see this? That Jesus is here and he's doing the will of the Father. And, and here's the Holy Spirit and he's submitted to Jesus and the Father. And we have other passages like the dramatic one, right? In the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is on his knees. He's sweating blood. And he says, Father, take this cup from me. I do not want to be crucified. 
but not my will, Father. Let your will be done. I submit to you. Do you see that? It's a godly thing. That within himself, God is submitted. And so when we talk about submission in a biblical context, we have to realize that it's not about one person being better than or superior to another. It's about living gracefully with one another as God does within himself. That's biblical submission. It's not inferiority. Second thing we want to look at, and this will bring us to our text in Ephesians. Submission is a consequence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a consequence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. If the God who created us in his image practices submission within himself, the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all submitting and loving each other, if God does that and then God created us in his image, it should come as absolutely no surprise that he expects us to do the same. That we would submit to one another and submit to God as he does to himself. And so he is calling on all of the Ephesians, all of the church in Ephesus, and all of the church at St. Paul's in Somerville, to love and submit to each other in the same way that God has loved us. Look at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5. Therefore, therefore, have you ever asked yourself, what's the therefore, therefore? It's funny, but that's an important question. Therefore, there are four chapters of therefore in front of this word. Four chapters of the grace of Jesus Christ. Four chapters of his sacrifice for us. Four chapters of the Holy Spirit bringing together strange people to form a beautiful community. Four chapters of God's love and mercy. Therefore, walk in love as Christ first loved you. Therefore, be imitators of God. Therefore, love each other in the same way that Jesus loves us. The reality for those of us who follow Christ is that submission is not only rooted in who God is, but also in what he has done. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, he he gave up everything. He gave up his riches, his authority, his status, his kingship. He gave up his life so that we might be restored to God, restored to one another. He submitted himself so that our sins might be forgiven and that we might be renewed and restored as the image bearers of God. In light of Jesus' submission of love, we are called then to walk in love in the same way. To walk in love with each other. And so Paul will go on when we get to verse 18, the second part there. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And then there are four participles. If you're not an English person, participle, they end in I-N-G, more or less. Four participles here of what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father 
in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be filled with the Spirit. There you go. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another. This is actually here a mutual submission, right? The giving up of ourselves for the sake of someone else. This is a function of the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives. It's a function of loving others as Jesus has loved us. And so on some level, and we have to be clear about this, submission is not just for women. And it's not just for wives. Mutual submission is for everyone. Husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, CEOs, and fast food employees. Anyone who follows Christ is called to be in a mutually submissive relationship with their brothers and sisters. To be in a real, authentic, Christ-centered relationship means we sacrifice and give ourselves up for each other. Friends, this was a defining feature of the early church. They were mutually submitted to each other. And this is a defining feature of the most Christ-like communities that you will find today. People submitting to one another and giving sacrificially of each other. Verse 21, it's a mutual submission. So we see that submission is a function of the Holy Spirit. Finally, um, Paul gives us a specific application of submission. Okay? A specific application. And this is, this is the verse that people struggle with, right? Ephesians 5.22. Um, but, but keep in mind the context. There are three common household relationships that Paul wants to address here. He addresses wives and husbands, he addresses children and parents, and he addresses slaves and masters. And he redefines them in such a way that the oppression of the day, which was built on power and authority and an ungodly submission, he he redefines this in such a way that, that these groups of people can no longer oppress each other if they are faithful to Christ. And for years the church missed this on, not all of the church, but parts of the church missed this on, for instance, slavery. But it was William Wilberforce, for instance, who would turn to passages like this in Ephesians and say, look, Paul says, Paul says masters and slaves are brothers in Christ. How can we keep treating people the way we're treating them? He brings these things together in such a way that their oppression can no longer continue if we're following Christ. And so we have here this directions to wives and husbands. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. But you have to keep reading. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. 
All right, so wives get three versus husbands, you get seven. There's a lot going on here. We can't unpack all this. This could be many, many sermons. But I want you to realize what Paul is doing. He is taking very specific household relationships, in our case this morning, husbands and wives, and he is casting them in light of the mutual submission in the name of Christ. You want to be in a godly relationship, you must be sacrificing and self-giving to each other. And so wives, your mutual submission looks just like submission. Submit to your husbands, but it is to be done gracefully, lovingly, and with thanksgiving for who he is as a man of God. Submit to him in the same way that this church submits gracefully and lovingly and with thanksgiving for Jesus. Husbands, your mutual submission, submitting to your wife, remember verse 521, submitting to one another, okay? It means loving her sacrificially. It means loving her even more than you love yourself, more than you love your body. And I know we've got some people who love their bodies and take care of their bodies and more powerful to you. Do you love your wife more than that? Love your wives in the same way that Jesus loved the church, sacrificially, and gave up his life for her. And so clearly we see this submission in marriage is not because one party is better than the other. It's not because um, wives or husbands, that husbands are better than wives or more important or, or, or superior. It's a submission because wives and husbands consider their spouses ahead of themselves. They put the other one first. All right, so we'll now land this plane. What are we going to do with this? How are we going to take this home? Two things I want to note for you. One is for marriages specifically, and one is for all of us. And these are brief, so um, just listen carefully. For marriages, this passage in Ephesians cannot be reduced to the question, what is my role? And so you think, all right, I'm a new husband. What is my role? What do I, what is my role? What is, what is, what is my job? And, and I look here, I'm like, oh, yeah, my job right here is to be the head of my wife. That's not, you can't take this passage and turn it into that. Now listen, there is specific, de- uh, uh, significant debate among Jesus-loving Christians about male headship in marriage. And I'm going to take that and I'm setting it over here because I'm not dealing with that this morning. You and your spouse might see marriage as a relationship defined with very clear roles, and that is great. Or you might be non-traditional and y'all don't have specific roles and, and you both share. And maybe actually it's, the roles are flipped on some levels. And you know what? If that's working for you as well... That's great. That's for y'all to figure out. But either way, Paul has given us a paradigm that encourages encourages us to ask a more pressing question. Rather than saying, what's my role? We have to ask, how can I give sacrificially? How can I give sacrificially to my wife and to my husband? Because if marriage is based on what you can get rather than what you can give, it will be doomed from the start. And so marriages, friends, are mutually submissive in a way that asks the question, how can I sacrifice for my spouse? And then finally, for all of our relationships, I would just ask this question. 
What if we were a church of authentic, mutually submissive relationships? Rather than seeking a community for what's in it for us, what if we came together seeking to serve and submit to our neighbors? Too often, I think, it's easy for us as Christians to reflect the world around us. We can divide into factions and bickering and arguing. We can each look to secure our own rights and our own needs and our own desires. And so we come to church because of what's in it for me. And when the church stops fulfilling what I want and what I need, well, I'll just go find it somewhere else. But what if we were a church where our needs came second and the needs of this community came first? Or what if we were a church where our needs came second and the needs of Somerville And the needs of those who don't look like us and think like us and maybe don't even believe the same things as we do. What if their needs came first? Friends, it's my prayer that we would submit to each other in such a way that reflects the sacrifice of Jesus. That through the power of the Holy Spirit, we may be a community whose self-giving and mutual submission reflects the self-giving submission of Christ to the Father that we would be a community that gives our lives for each other in the same way that Christ gave his life for us. Let us pray.